Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. The first place that we want to go is the 34th Psalm, a lot of people's favorite Psalm, Psalm 34. We're going to go to Psalm 34, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you got a paper Bible, you can be going each of them, putting your, you'll need three fingers. Hold on like that. Then we'll go back to the first one and work through. All right. Or you can just read it off the screen. Psalm 34 and 19, here's a good promise from the Word of God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Somebody say that part with me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's say it again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now let's go to Matthew 5. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. Somebody shout persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. How many of you know not everything we call persecution is persecution? And some of what is persecution is not persecution for righteousness sake. How many of you know a lot of what we call persecution is consequences of our own dumb decisions? Or persecution because we poked the bear. It has nothing to do. And then we tell Jesus we're being persecuted for the gospel. And you didn't do anything for the gospel. You're just an idiot and you're paying the piper. Come on. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you. I don't like being reviled. When others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, First Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, that's you. Beloved, do not be surprised. Now, whatever he's getting ready to say is something that should not have surprised those that he was writing to, and it does include us. There's a principle at work here. So whatever he's going to tell us, we have to make note to never be surprised at this. So everybody shout, do not be surprised. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor, grab them like you just realized something. Say, do not be surprised. Oh, man, this is great. Look at the participation of this. That's awesome. Now, here is what we are not supposed to be surprised at. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to comes upon you to test you 
as though something strange were happening to you. He says, when the fiery trial comes, and that doesn't sound like fun. When the fiery trial comes against you, don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. King James says, think it not strange. And he follows up. He said, don't act like something strange were happening to you. But that's what Christians do. I can't believe this is happening to me after I paid my tithe. I serve God. I believe, oh, you're probably just the best Christian on earth, aren't you? God probably owes it to you to not go to hell. You're probably just the greatest thing in the whole world. You're probably the best one God has got. You've never done anything wrong, and you're so much better than all those other people. This is so strange. This is, God, this is strange that this would happen to me. Come on, somebody. You're quiet because it's you. God, this is, this is so weird that this would happen to somebody as great as I am. Somebody that served you like I've served you. Somebody goes to church like I go to church. Somebody teaches like I do. Pray like I pray. Read the Bible like I read, and I'm honest, and I go to work, and I'm, and I'm kind, and I did everything right. Other people, other people slept around, but I didn't. So, but God, you, not me. This shouldn't happen to me. Do not be surprised when the fiery trial comes. Don't act like something strange is happening to you. We better pray before we preach anymore. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for today. I need your help completely. I believe you gave me this word, and I need your help to deliver it. Help me. Help me to communicate this in the simplest way, in the most understandable way. Help me that I could not possibly make this any plainer. Father, that, that it's not fluff, but that we hear you. Help me that you are well represented. Help me to accurately paint your gospel in the minds and the hearts of the people. And Father, with revelation knowledge that we would realize how to apply this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Do not be surprised when crazy stuff comes against you. Don't be surprised when stuff goes wrong. Don't be surprised when you get persecuted. He says it happened to all the prophets who were before you. Are you greater than them? Are you greater than Elijah, Sidney? Sorry. Are you greater than Elijah? Are you greater than Isaiah? Are you greater than Jeremiah? Man, if anybody could complain, looks like Jeremiah would have a little room to complain. The stuff God asked him to do, God asked Jeremiah to lay on his left side for a year. 
and then turn over and lay on the other side for a year, something like that. And then he had to cook over some poop or something. Was that Jeremiah? <laughs> Think it not strange. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes to test you, like something weird had happened to you. Many are the afflictions of the sinner. Many are the afflictions of the people that don't obey the Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Being a Christian does not mean being without trouble. If anybody told you that getting saved meant that you wouldn't have problems anymore, they lied to you, and you might be the one lying to you. If, if you are believing, if you are having this mindset, this should not happen to me, then you are lying to yourself because it's exactly what's supposed to happen. And it's exactly what the Bible said would happen. It's not weird. It is normal. And it's not the last time. Wasn't the first time. Won't be the last time. It's going to happen over and over and over again all throughout your Christian walk. If they told you that being born again would prevent having burdens in your life, they gave you the wrong gospel. If they told you that the Christian life is an easy life, if they told you that serving the Lord is a walk in the park, they must not be out doing anything for the kingdom. Because my Bible says, many are the afflictions. My Bible says, and so they persecuted the prophets before you. My Bible says the fiery trial is coming to test you and don't think it's weird. And my Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, share in suffering. Because that's what a good soldier of Jesus Christ does. Listen, we were talking about this a few weeks ago. If you are a soldier in battle... You are in battle. There's not time to complain. What good would it do for a soldier in war, in the heat of battle, how productive would it be for him to pause to talk about how bad the circumstances are? You'll get killed. It won't work. It will not help. It does you no good to complain because guess what? This is what you signed up for, and this is what comes with it. The issue is not, can you imagine a soldier saying, 
this is so weird. They're shooting at me. I can't believe they would shoot at me. I have pledged my allegiance to my country. Why would they shoot at me? They shouldn't shoot at me. I'm in the army. That's exactly why they should shoot at you. That's exactly what happens when you're a soldier. And guess what? If you're saved, you're a soldier, just not a very good one. You're a whiny, crying, sniveling, snot-nosed baby soldier. But you're a soldier. You need to learn who you are, and you need to learn what, it, what comes with it. You need to learn what normal looks like in this kingdom so you can quit whining and crying saying, oh, this is what it's supposed to be, so I'm going to keep marching forward. I'm going to keep obeying the orders of my commander-in-chief no matter what. I'm, I, instead of complaining they're shooting at me, I ought to be rejoicing that they haven't taken me out yet. Hallelujah. Share in the suffering. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy, share in the suffering. Suffer for the sake of Christ. Suffer with Jesus. Share in the sufferings of Jesus because you're a good soldier. All right, so that's kind of the groundwork. that We're going we're gonna to hit the ground running with that. But I want to ask you a question. This is not a trick question. This is not a play on words because of everything I just said. Is there anybody here that lately in your life and in your Christian walk that you have been experiencing kind of a funny feeling where you've been saying, something's off. It seems like something's wrong. Anybody besides, besides me? And you've been saying, what, what is wrong? What's wrong? Something doesn't seem right. You know, I'm, I'm doing more Bible study than I've ever done, ladies. I'm doing more Bible study than I've ever done. I'm, I've, I've committed my life like I've never committed before. I'm pursuing the Lord. I'm, I'm being sincere in this. I'm not being fake. I really am trying to pursue the Lord. I'm trying to be a light like I've never been in my life. I'm trying to share the love of Jesus. And yet, I'm going through stuff that I wasn't going through. Something is, something is amiss. Something has gone awry. Something is off. Something's different. What, what is wrong? And you, you've just been saying, it seems like something's wrong. Am I talking to anybody? Has anybody ever felt that way in your Christian walk? I want to give you some things to consider. People who are highly effective, people that are very sincere, people that are out there doing the thing, people that are effective, people that are producing something, people that are making a difference, people who are highly effective are oftentimes 
greatly troubled. We'll just let that simmer and do its work. It's working. It's, it's, it's working right now. Many times, effective people are troubled people. People with great giftings oftentimes are very troubled. I, I, I want to add a little P.S. According to the Bible, every person God ever used for his glory was extremely messed up. God always used really messed up people. God never called perfect people. He never called got it together people. God, God called people with struggles. God called people with problems. God called people with issues. God called people with strongholds and with hang-ups. God called immature people. God called some dishonest people. God called people with some addictions. God called, you name it. The people God used were messed up which is a big part of the whole message of the Bible, is that God is willing to use messed up people. Amen? When you read the Bible, all of you that said, I don't think God could ever use me. And then you read the Bible and you say, I don't know why God wouldn't use me. <laughs> if God wants screwed up people, here I am. People who are highly effective are oftentimes greatly troubled. Anybody hearing me? People that are very anointed. People that are very anointed are very afflicted. People who are very productive are very persecuted. I'm the, the Holy Spirit's doing all kinds of stuff in this room right now. The Holy Spirit's just moving and whispering all kinds of things to people, things that I never will know that you got out of this. And right now, the Holy Spirit is ministering to hearts. Right now, the Holy Spirit is confirming callings. Right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting about changes that you have to make. The Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now. You ought to get your pen out. You ought to start marking down all that stuff you're hearing in your head because the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people right now about your individual situation. Let me say it this way. People who 
who are greatly used of the Lord are greatly targeted by the enemy. I want you to know something about the nature of our enemy. John 10 and 10. Boy, we're getting ready to go somewhere. I can, I almost want to skip it to get to the good part. But then it wouldn't make sense. John 10, 10. The thief, somebody say thief. The thief comes only to steal. Somebody say steal. To kill, to destroy. And we're going to stop there. We'll get back to the rest of it in a little while. The thief comes only to steal. He wants to steal stuff so he can kill it so it will be destroyed. He can't destroy anything in your possession. So he has to get you to give it to him. I feel such an anointing in this house for this word that is coming forth. Somebody is absolutely getting set free by this, and you're going to be forever changed by the end of this message. The devil cannot have what I don't give him. The devil cannot do what I don't let him. The devil cannot play what I won't participate in. The devil cannot do anything in my life without my cooperation. He wants to steal it from me. He wants to get it out of my hand. He wants me to hand it over so that he can begin to kill it so that it's over, so that it's destroyed. He's a thief. The enemy of your soul is a thief. He is a robber. He steals stuff. The devil steals time. Come on, somebody. You got to help me this morning. The whole time I'm preaching this, if I am talking to you, you got to open your mouth and let me know. This is going to be call and response preaching, okay? The devil wants to steal from you time. And he'll offer you. He will offer you options. He will offer you things you can do, and then you waste a bunch of time. And when you get done with the thing, not only did you give your time to that, you didn't give your time to what you were supposed to be doing, and the devil stole your time. He stole time from you. He steals time. He steals energy. He wants to throw situations at you that you don't have the strength to carry. 
and tempt you to try to carry them in your own power. So now you are exhausted. Now you wore out. Now you are tired. Now you are weak. And he stole your energy, stole your time, and he stole your energy. And he wants to steal your joy. Why would he want to do that? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If he can take your joy, he got your strength. He steals your joy. He wants to steal your faith from the beginning. The master stroke of the enemy is simply to suggest to people that the word of God might not be true. Surely you will not die if you eat of this. Surely. Go all through the scripture. Over and over again, the enemy says, here, this isn't, this isn't going to hurt. That dog, that snake, that liar, tell me if this is not true. The enemy shows up and whispers to you something that you already know is wrong, but the suggestion comes into your mind, I don't think this is going to hurt. I don't think this is going to destroy anything. I think, I think I can do this. I think I can do this one time. And then you do it, and all of a sudden the same voice switches and says, you failure, you loser, you're not saved, you don't really love Jesus, you're not ready. Two seconds ago, he said, you can do this, it won't hurt. Oh, look at you, you're not a Christian, you're not what you say you are, you're a hypocrite. Same voice. That's what he does. Why? Because he's a thief. Because he's a liar and a robber, and he steals stuff. He steals your time. He steals your energy. He steals your joy. He steals your faith, and in it, he steals your hope. Where before, my God, I feel him so strong today. Where before, you had the struggle, but in the struggle, you said, hey, I'm struggling, but tomorrow's coming. Hey, I'm down, but I'm not out. I may have fallen down, but I didn't fall away. Yes, this hurts. Yes, this is a tough time in life. Yes, this has been a tragedy. Yes, this has been difficult, but I know my God, and I'm going to get it through. I'm going to go, I'm going to get through. And you, and you've been going through this thing, but the key word is through. You were going through. You weren't stopping in the middle, but then the devil shows up, starts stealing your time, stealing your energy, stealing your joy, stealing your faith. And all of a sudden you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. I don't know if I'm going to get out. I don't know if I'm going to get over. I don't know if I can stand it one more time. I think this is it. I think it's all over. I better go ahead and throw in the towel. I don't think I can stand for this another day. It's over. My, my ship has sunk. The fat lady's saying it's done. And he steals your hope. First, he steals 
your time. Starts with time. Doesn't seem like the end of the world. Just didn't mean to stay on Facebook so long. No big deal. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. He doesn't look like the devil when he shows up. He didn't take his mask off till later to shame you with how you've been deceived. So when he first comes in, it's always to steal, but he comes in first to steal your time. When he gets done stealing your time, then he shifts, and so now not only did you not get that time, but you didn't get to be in the thing that strengthened you, and so now he's stolen your energy. And then that begins to take your joy. And then it starts to affect your faith. And pretty soon you are left without hope. See the process? See how he sneaks in? Unaware, creeps in, bit by bit, a little at a time. Now do you see why it matters what you listen to? And what you look at? And what you read? And what you think about? And what you're texting? And who you're hanging up, hanging around, because it was just, well, this is just a little bit off the, listen, the first thing the devil will do, he'll take something that you know is wrong, and he'll give you a million reasons to justify it. You say, well, normally I know this is wrong, and you know it's wrong for somebody else, but you've got a special circumstance. You've got a special, well, this is okay, because, and you're doing stuff that you know is not right. But what you don't notice is that while you got this going on, your mind is occupied, the devil has snuck in the back door, and he's taken your stuff right out of your house. He's a thief. He's a thief. But let me tell you this about a thief. Thieves don't rob empty houses. Do you hear me what I said? The devil's not trying to rob empty houses. Has anybody been under spiritual attack? Has anybody seen some things in your life that don't look just like life, but it seems like there's a devil on the loose? Anybody notice any activity that's probably spiritual attack, spiritual oppression, demonic strategy? I got good news. If he's trying to break into a house, it's because he sees something in that house that he doesn't, somebody better help me, that he does not want you to have. If he's trying to break into your house, it's because he sees something that is a threat to his kingdom. You got something good in the house. If the devil is working on somebody, it's because he sees something worth stealing. He only breaks into houses that are full of valuables. I can't get any help in here. I said he only breaks into houses that are full of valuables. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? I've got good news for the bad news. 
If he's breaking in, you are valuable. You are worth something. You've got good stuff. God has deposited down on the inside of you. You matter to God. He only breaks in to houses that are full of valuables. And honey, you are the house of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the tabernacle of Jesus Christ. You are the treasury of heaven. All the spiritual riches reside inside of you, and you are the avenue. Thank you, Vince. You are the avenue by which the world sees God and turns to salvation. He's coming in because you got good stuff. He's coming in because you're valuable. He's coming in because you're worth something. He's coming in because you are the children of the most high God, and he wants to stop you. Listen, the more all of this, knowing you're the house of God, knowing you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, knowing you're the tabernacle of Jesus Christ, knowing you're the treasury of heaven, knowing that spiritual riches reside inside of you, the more that you yield to that truth, the more that you yield to the knowledge of who you are in Christ, the more that you get on board that you are crucified with Christ, but yet you live, and not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me in the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son. Son of God, the more that you realize what is inside of you, the more the enemy wants to stop you. The more he wants to stop you. Listen, if you didn't have anything to offer, the devil would not be showing up right now to rob your house. Come on, somebody. If you did not have anything to offer, he wouldn't be showing up to rob your house. So this is what I came to tell you this morning. You keep saying for the past few days or the past few weeks or the past few months, you keep saying, I just feel like something is wrong. Let me tell you what might be wrong. It's that something is right. What might be wrong is that something is right. So right now, how many of you got sermon notes? Wave your sermon notes at me. Right now. All right, don't mess with me for a minute, Vince. Let me get going here. Right now, I want you to take your sermon notes, and I want you to take your pen, and I want you to mark out the word wrong in the title. Did you do it already? And next to it, in all caps, I want you to write the word right. Just like this. <laughs> we're going to mark out wrong, and we're going to say something is right. Because today, this is what we're going to do. Today, we are going to turn your confession around. Today, we're going to give you a profession of faith instead of a profession of doubt. You're going to become a professional Christian instead of a professional complainer. We are going to turn your test into a testimony, your mess into a message, and victims into victors. 
We're going to do it with your mouth. The next time you start to say something is wrong, just say out loud out of your mouth, something is right. Can you do it right now? Somebody shout, something is right. What you thought was something wrong recently was actually something that was right. What you thought was something wrong was only wrong for the devil. Yeah, something's wrong for him. People get deceived into destruction because in this kingdom, many of the things that feel good are bad for you. And many of the things that are uncomfortable bring you closer to Jesus than you've ever been. This is a backwards kingdom where getting low means going high. And being patient actually gives you more time. What I'm telling you is that your struggle is about to become your springboard. Do you hear me? Where the thing that has hurt you is the thing that's going to help you. The lie against you. What are, they're lying about me. What if somebody believes it? Don't worry about that. It's none of your business. That's his business. The lie against you is going to be your launching. Your hater is going to become your elevator. Come on. Everything that's coming against you is going to be the thing that takes you higher. It's going to be the thing that brings you closer. It's going to be the thing that takes you deeper. It's going to be the thing that wraps you up in the heart of God. Somebody shout, something is right. It's so weird because you would think that if God did something great for you, you would be celebrated and that the devil would stay away. But many times... When you're in the right place, the ones you thought were your friends disappear, and the devil shows up. That doesn't mean anything's wrong. It means something's right. The anointing attracts adversity. You started reading your Bible every day, and now you're being attacked on every side, and you think something's wrong. No, something's not wrong. For the first time in your whole life, something is right. And your adversary, the enemy of your soul, doesn't like it. But if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Come on. No Sunday school kids in here. My God, I can't get any help up in this Presbyterian church. Listen, when the Lord told Moses to demand Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh doubled the workload against the people of God. Exodus 5, 7, listen to this. Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying 
words. The Israelite children felt like something was wrong. The evil taskmaster was laying a heavy load on them. They begin to complain, oh man, something, something has gone wrong. The true fact of the matter, they were in the best position that they had been in in over 400 years. But for the moment, it made things a lot harder than what they were used to. The fact that things got harder didn't mean anything had gone wrong. It meant something had gone right. It didn't mean they needed to change course. It didn't mean that they needed to cease where they were headed. The devil does not run away because you're getting free. He tries to stop you. I remember years ago, we were still in the old building, and uh, Rose was heading up a Bible study, and there was a lady that started taking the Bible study, and a few weeks, uh, a couple few weeks into the Bible study, she said, I'm quitting this Bible study. She said, ever since I've been going, in, uh, ever since I've been going through this Bible study, she said, I'm under all kinds of attack, and things are going wrong. I quit. We don't quit because of the devil trying to stop us. If the devil tries to stop us, it's evidence that we're moving exactly where we, we were supposed to be going, and we push through. We don't stop what we're supposed to do because of the devil showing up. When an expectant mother goes into labor, this is a good moment, but a very difficult moment. It's not a bad thing that's happening. It's the very thing that everybody's been waiting for. And yet it becomes extremely difficult and even dangerous, even dangerous. But that doesn't mean anything is wrong. It means something is very right. The mother in labor doesn't stop because of the pain. No, she bears down and she pushes until she's delivered. Are you hearing me this morning? Some of you may think you're dying when in fact you're giving birth. Maybe the uncomfortable time that you're going through is just sifting the stuff away that's not supposed to be there anyway so that you can start using that which is supposed to remain. You know, wheat has to go to the grinding wheel before it can be turned into bread. Sometimes the devil thinks he's destroying you and doesn't even realize that God is allowing the process to do his own work and get you right where you're supposed to be. Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, Jesus told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Listen, church, don't stop now. 
not only are you going to make it through, but you're going to turn and help the people around you that have been going through the same thing. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. Everything that's good takes hard work. If it doesn't cost anything, it's probably not worth anything. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. And if the devil thinks it's worth fighting you for it, it might be worth you fighting for it. Amen? You might want to take note because right now the devil's got more sense than some of us have about what's valuable. He would love for you to stop fighting and just hand it to him. But if he's willing to work to steal it, you ought to be willing to work to keep it. If he's willing to steal it, you should be willing to stop him. There are two things you should always take note of. Number one, what is God doing around me? Number two, what's the devil after? What is God doing and what is the devil trying to do? And it seems like they both want the same thing. You. But serving the Lord is hard. Yes, it's hard serving the Lord. But it's also hard serving the devil. So pick your heart. Joshua 24, 14. Now, therefore, the, uh, the Israelites were not wanting to move forward and obey the Lord. He said, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua decided to conquer the land instead of do what was easy. Job chose to fight in the midst of adversity and tragedy. David chose the giant. Daniel chose the lions. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego chose the fiery furnace. And Jesus chose the cross. Choose your heart, but you better choose right. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Look at the contrast in this verse. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He said, these afflictions will destroy the unrighteous, but God will keep you in them. 
The afflictions will come on everybody. But what would destroy somebody else? The preservation of God will keep you. The protection of God will keep you. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. It means that God will keep you through it. I'm going to pick what's worth fighting for. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I'm going to choose what keeps me in his power and I'm going to pick the place where his power is keeping me. And when I get done, I want to hear he finished his course. He ran his race. He fought the good fight. Enter in, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of the Lord. That's what I want to, come on somebody, that's what I want to hear when all of this thing is over. So everybody that's been saying that something is wrong, I came today to tell you that in fact something is right. The thing you've been worried about, now you can start rejoicing about. The thing that you've been complaining about, now you can start worshiping and praising God for. Singers, musicians, would you come? The thing that you've been going through, you can know it's not an indication that anything is wrong. It's an indication that you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing don't you stop reading that bible don't you stop coming to study don't stop praying don't stop worshiping god don't stop seeking him you're right on target and you're right on schedule can you give the lord a mighty hand clap of praise something is right something is right let's stand together Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.